0: Good morning. How are you? Thank you. Uh, Metro Celebration Arts, we appreciate you. Uh, leading us into the presence of God we, we don't say thank you enough we want to say thank you this morning I know uh, you guys toil over it and uh, see through it and uh, lead us and we appreciate you good morning Metro I am Pastor Tiffany Johnson it's so funny to hear myself say pastor in front of my name uh, but that's what it is alright uh, I am firstborn, born, uh, Bishop Flynn and Carolyn Johnson, who are on vacation today. Uh, that's a good vacation, two weeks, isn't it, yes? I don't, know, I don't know if you understand what it takes for the bishop to walk away from a Sunday for two, two weeks in a row. It's, it's a lot. Uh, but he had courage to do it, and I'm thankful because the bishop needs a rest. And so we uh, thank you for your prayers and you're uh, keeping them before God as they are gone. They, w- they will be back this week, I think like Thursday, so it'll be cool for you to pray for safe travels, uh, home, and uh, I'll let them tell you about their trip. They promised to bring home pictures and all that kind of stuff, so uh, we'll do our best to get those pictures quick, so hopefully we can see a little bit of their trip. Is that all right? Uh, I think travel is a very important part of education and who you are in life. Uh, there's a whole world beyond Atlanta. And uh, the bigger, the more you go see, the more you see and understand how big the world really is. Uh, it really does go beyond your own city, which I believe this is one of the dopest cities in the world. Um, I was just asked, uh, just even last night, would I consider being in a different city? Uh, the only thing that could take me away is Jesus and some man who changes my last name because I really, I really do love, love, love this city. Um, and I'm thankful to be in it. I believe God has something big for the city of Atlantis while all the nations are coming here. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's apropos for what the Lord is doing uh, through us and in us as a city and as a church. And I'm excited about being in the middle of it. Uh, today, I have the opportunity, uh, the responsibility of bringing the Word of God to you. And uh, I'm excited about it. I always am. Uh, but I, I must admit to you, I am also always nervous. And uh, that's a good thing because nervous will keep keep you humble. Uh, do you know there's an H in the front of the word, humble? Just helping those of us who say, just humble before, no, it's an H in front of the word. Forgive me, it, just a pet peeve of mine. I am humbled this morning to be before you. Uh, but I want you to be clear about what humility is. It is confidence properly placed. Uh, that means that I don't think beneath who the Lord says I am. Neither do I think above or more than who God says I am. Uh, but for some strange reason, he keeps choosing me. And uh, as long as I get to do it, I'm going to say yes. that All right. Uh, You should probably do the same. Uh, Tell somebody, as long as the Lord chooses me, I'm going to have the courage to say yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we are excited about what you would say to us. Lord, would you turn that amplifier on inside of our hearts and inside of our ears so that we could hear an old story in a new way. Thank you, Lord, for uh, causing the story to be new and fresh And bring mad conviction in our hearts so that we accomplish what you've created and called us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Two weeks ago, I was in a conference in Texas. I was there because a couple of friends of mine, excuse me, decided to make sure that I was there. Um, And uh, I was uh, blown away by all that I learned and understood. Uh, there really was a deposit dropped in me um, and it was like um, the, the, the depth of the deposit was to me uh, had the same intensity it was different but it had the same intensity as my first encounter um, and I was brought to my attention today that my first encounter I had it 16 years ago and I was in Bogota, Colombia when I had that encounter. And uh, this two weeks ago, something similar happened to me. I knew that when I walked away from that conference that I could, it's mm, true, I could come home and be the same, having been impacted, or I could make a decision to live and, and continue to make decisions based from what I heard and what happened to me. And uh, I, f- I feel, um, I feel a million things at, at this very second. Uh, I almost feel ill-equipped to handle all that I received, but how many of you know that the Lord doesn't call the qualified? I'm sorry. Yes, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Uh, that to say, sometimes we enter into things or we receive things from God or we have big dreams uh, from the Lord and and they're so big that if you're not careful, you will be tempted to to allow yourself to stop at the feeling of not being qualified or to stop at the place of fear and, and, and insecurity, inferiority, uneducated Uh, uh, inability you stop at that place because of what it might require of you in order to handle all that God has here's what I'm sure of I am absolutely sure as sure as my shoes are dope that I am created more. I, I, I feel it in my bones. And For the last two weeks, I have been searching the Lord in a different way. And what's dope is he's being found in a different way. Uh, there's something to be said about knowing God for a long time and becoming too familiar with God, like you know what that scripture says, so you approach it the same way, or you know what the preacher's going to say as a result of, you know, certain sentences, you know you can just about finish the sentences, but when I got home, I kind of wanted to have personal proof of the more, like I've watched it in my parents and I've watched it in many people, but for some reason the kind of more that I am designed for to this point has eluded me. And what I figured out, or what I'm finding out, is that it's not God's fault. I believe he has timing and uh, precedence and and, uh, a plan, a design for my life. But I also believe that he will not give me my dreams at the expense of my character, nor at the expense of his glory. Because if I want more just for my own comfort's sake, if I want greater just because I'm tired of lesser, if I if my capacity is growing, but I'm not doing what it, I don't have the capacity for change and for and for and for discipline, then what's scary is the Lord will step back and allow the process to take its place. And I believe the Lord is waiting to give the answers, to supply the need, to perform the miracles, to get the opportunity, to give the opportunity. I, th- I believe he's on the edge of glory, waiting, searching the earth, searching the city, searching the hearts of his people trying to figure out who is gonna be willing to stand out among a culture who's doing everything it can and spending billions and billions of dollars to cause you to fit in. He's waiting on the people who are willing to look ridiculous. to have the courage to do and to be comparatively to what to do what to do what comparatively looks foolish for his glory and i'm finding that that takes courage it takes courage because it means you're going to be exposed. It means that more is required of you. The Lord does not apologize for this. The reason why he has waited 40 years to make us who he has made, who he is making us into because there's something about that longevity that you just don't get by something happening quickly. But I'm waiting on those suddenlies. That part. I, 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 I believe the Lord wants to do suddenlies. But I need you to know that suddenlies also take time. It was 400 years where God said nothing. Waiting, waiting on somebody to stand out. I found a character that we all know, a character that um, I have forgotten about, a character that is a very interesting character, and and actually, uh, Mark Batterson was one of the ones to remind us, I feel that, let me get in the front and closer, because I need to understand, here I get you home, girl, that's kind of how I've been feeling like that before God, seriously, that's how I've been feeling. And, and when I did that, I found this character. And it's a character that I'm sure that if you have ever been to Sunday school, you know and have heard about Noah. Um, but you know what also happened to me? Like when I came back, I felt like the Lord let me see my daddy's Bible. Because his Bible ain't the same as my Bible. Anybody else feel like that? like they you read scripture before, but when the bishop talks about it it's like, bro, can I just let me see your Bible? Can you email me your Bible because I didn't see it that way oh uh I, I, I've seen seeing Moses Noah in a different way, and I'm praying that the Lord will cause you to be inspired and convicted to do something about where you are versus where you want to be through this story. it's only four really quick things I want to tell you about him. And uh, let's see what we can discover today. Is that all right? Genesis 5. I'm going to read the story really quickly. I'm going to read through 21. And then I'm going to tell you four things about him that I found. And then uh, we're going to get out of here won't take me long. It'll take me as long as it takes for you to hear. How about that? <laughs> we'll treat you just like the Lord. That's pretty good. It's going to take as long. It's going to take me as long as it will take you to hear. I need to remember that. I need to use that again. Genesis 6, 5-21. Then the Lord saw that man was very sinful on the earth. Every plan and thought of the heart of man was sinful always. Bananas, I can't, doesn't sound like today. Just look at TV or anything on social media. Verse six, the Lord was sorry that he he had made man on the earth. He had sorrow in his heart. Mm -mm -mm. I never want the Lord to say that about me. I never want Jesus. I, I never want the Lord to be like sorry He made me. That's horrible. But as you can see, it's possible to do that. The Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth. He was He had sorrow in His heart. So the Lord said, "I'm gonna destroy man. I will destroy man whom I have made from the land." man and animals, things that move on the earth, the birds in the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. The Lord was so sorry, he was willing to destroy his own creation. But Noah, somebody say, but. Man, I love that word. You ought to pay attention whenever, and whenever the Bible say, but, you ought to pay attention. Everybody Needs a little butt in their life, just a little butt. Thank you, Lord, for my butt. Anybody thankful for the butt? I'm thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Verse eight says, "But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord." Verse nine. Then this is the story of Noah and his family. Noah was right. Before, Noah was right with God. He was without blame in his time. Noah walked with God, and Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was sinful in the eyes of God. The earth was filled with people hurting each other. God looked at the earth and saw how sinful it was for all who lived on the earth and had become sinful in their eyes. How many times do the Lord have to say it? We see, Lord we all going to hell. Help us, Jesus. Lord, give us a little butt. That's what I say. First thing, 13 cats away. All right, we play a little bit? All right, verse 13. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to make an end, make an end to all people on the earth. They are the cause of very much trouble. See. I will destroy them as I destroy, as I destroy the earth. Make instructions. Now, make a large boat of gopher wood for yourself. Build rooms in the boat and cover it inside out and out with tar. This is how you are to make it. The boat is to be as long as about 150 long, 150 long steps, as wide as 25 long steps, and eight times taller than a man. Make a window for the boat that goes down a cubit from the roof. Put a door in the side of the boat and make it and make it with first, second, and third floors. The Lord was real specific, real specific. How many of the Lord knows? How many of y'all know the Lord is specific? He don't. He doesn't usually just make general. This, some, and there. He don't usually do that. He, he, he will, he will, he will have some in instructions for you if you listen close he'll give them to you turn somebody and say listen close verse 17 see I will bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh under heaven that has the breath of life everything on earth will be destroyed but I will make my agreement with you you will go into the large boat and you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you now nobody else only you and your family. I'm going to keep moving. Verse 19, you are to bring into the large boat two of every kind of living thing of all flesh to keep them alive with you. They will be male and female, two of the kinds of birds and animals and everything that moves on the ground. are you are to be with you to keep them alive and take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it. It will be, it will be food for you and for them. Noah did just what God told him to do. I like that word just in there. Because sometimes you like to do, be doing too much. And not enough at the same time. Noah did just what the Lord said. Hebrews 11:7. really quickly, all it says is, by faith, Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Four things that I see that we must have that Noah had. We are keeping with the theme that the bishop set for us um, a few weeks ago, and that is going all in. Going All In. Uh, We are reading that book. It's by Mark Batterson, All In. This is actually from once. A lot of what I'm saying is from the chapters that that Mark Batterson gave, uh, in addition to some things that the Lord gave me about it today, but four quick things. It won't take me long to do these things. We take it back. It'll take as long as it takes for you to listen. First thing that I see, very simple. Be God's butt. Be God's butt. The Lord was looking to and fro throughout the entire land. Now, get to that in a bit. He was looking everywhere. To figure out how or if the earth was worth saving. God is looking for light in the middle of the darkness. Our culture has a problem. And you are the answer. I know what we've been trained to, to understand. That, that is Christ is the answer. And I haven't changed that, because Christ is sitting at the right hand of his Father. Uh. And he sent the Holy Spirit to live in you. Uh. And now, it's on you to be the light in the middle of the darkness. If I name anything as far as our culture is concerned, you will see how dark it is. If you look at the state of marriages in the earth, it's dark. If you look at the state of the definition of family, it's dark. If you look at the state of the finances of this country, let alone the countries around the world, there's darkness. The church, have mercy on us, is not shining as it once did. There are laws now in the earth, in government, that, that prove that darkness is ruling. If you look at, a, at the mountain of government planted on the top of it, is that cross with the skull bone cross? <laughs> right on up there why because the laws of the land are directly opposite of what the Word of God has designed for our lives and our culture and we have not affected our culture the way the Lord designed for us to do it the Lord is looking to find whose heart can he trust whose marriage can he trust Whose family can he trust? Whose business can he trust? Whose talent, whose skills, whose gifts can he trust? You think that job that you have that you can't stand is just that. Maybe it's your test to see if you're worthy and/or have the discipline to handle more, the Lord is looking for a butt. You have the opportunity to be God's butt. I want to be God's butt. I want to be one of the ones that the Lord uses to bring light into the earth you know what it don't matter how dark it doesn't matter how dark a place is all you need is a little bit of light and it'll illuminate an entire room so don't you underestimate who you are and where you are because where you are it is the proper place for you to shine And it is a place where if you fan that flame just a little bit, it can become a roaring fire. But you have to be God's butt. Second thing I see, man, I am going to use that first joint. You got that first one for me, Ken? Dope. Check this out. Not yet. Uh, Two, immediate, long obedience. Jesus, help me. <laughs> Immediate and long obedience. All right, so let me read something to you. Building the ark required a rare combination of brains and brawn. Lord, it would be dope to have brains and brawn. I like that, Lord. That's, that would be really cool. Appreciate you, sir, for that. It took mensa amounts of creative genius. After all, it was the first boat ever built. It wasn't like this joke had a blueprint. It's not like it came. Oh, that I'm going too fast. It's not like it came with an instruction manual. It it was also backbreaking work. It took buckets of blood, sweat, and tears. But even more than brains and bronze, it took a calcu- in. It took an incalculable amount of faith to build a boat, who builds a boat in the desert? Who hammers away for 120 years at something that might not even be needed? Who banks their entire future on something that has never happened before. According to Jewish tradition, Noah didn't just start building the boat. He had to plant the trees first. Last time I look, ain't no trees in the desert. they were fully grown cause he had to build a boat that was 300, at least, at least 350 yards long. That's one, two, three, four, three and a half football fields. There had to be some big trees. Said that in Atlanta, you lost your I'm gonna keep let me think about Jesus. Falcons, just think about Jesus. He had to plant the trees first. After they were fully grown, he had to cut the trees down, saw them into planks, and then build the boat. Now that's going all out for God. Noah built the ark because God commanded it. it it's what He was supposed to do. Sawing planks and hammering nails were acts of obedience. Oh, sorry. Somebody need to rethink why and how you drive through Atlanta traffic. And when everything was said and done, it was the longest act of obedience recorded in Scripture. From start to finish, Noah's one act of obedience took 43,800 days. What? Did you know? Sorry, think about this. Did you know that elephants lose 80 80- Pounds of waste per day I'm helping you just a little bit Noah was 600 years old When he got on the boat Jesus Somebody say immediate Immediate. long Long Obedience what is the Lord asking you to do? How long is he asking you to do it? And are you still doing it since he told you what to do? Lord, talk to me, Lord. I need you to tell me what to do. And after he told you and you still ain't done it, what makes you think he gonna say something else? If you haven't been trusted the first, with the first thing that he told you to do. Maybe it's because what your view of what he's asking you to do, you have not seen it as life depending. If Abraham didn't get started when God told him to, Abraham and his whole family was going to be considered just like everybody else, sinful, unbelieving, and, 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 and getting ready to die. We have to create a new urgency about, the obe- about obeying God. I'm sure it was more than what Abraham, I'm sorry, Noah, bargained for. Man, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Do you know what you are supposed to be spending your life doing? Do you know what you're supposed to be spending your life doing? And are you doing it? Are you preparing for it? something that I, I came to understand uh, when I was at this conference, and I agree that everything should be done decently and in order. It should be, have a spirit. It should have a, uh, a nest. You understand when I say nest? You know, Tiffany has a nest. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Sequoia, she has a, a nest. You know what I'm talking about? I think everything ought to have a nest of excellence. but I think we religious uh, people like to uh, use the spirit of excellence as an excuse not to do something. And the spirit of excellence has become our religion and it keeps us from activity keeps us from moving. I'm sorry, you are never going to be ready enough for God's journey. I promise you, it's going, something's gonna happen that you're not ready for. And I get it, we gotta do it to the best of our ability, but don't keep the spirit of excellence as an excuse not to do what God is asking you to do. Some of you just need to jump. Quit waiting around on things to get right. Whether you're a procrastinator or whether you are a perfectionist, the same thing is for you. Is you got to do something. You have to obey the Lord immediately. My mama said, obedience is it, three things. You Remember what it is? First of all, it's immediate. Second thing it is, complete. The third is what? With a good attitude. Missing any one of those, then you done disobeyed the Lord. I mean, I mean for the Holy Spirit to cause conviction about what you're not doing that's keeping His dream from being a reality in your situation. It's time to level up. Turn to somebody say, "It's time to level up." Turn to somebody say, "Level up, level up, level up." <laughs> Here's a question. Here's the thing: Are you doing what the Lord? has created you to do? Listen, that answer can't be done with words. You gotta answer that with your life. You can't give that answer with words. Because I promise you, as soon as you say yes, it's gonna be something else that you got to do. You gotta answer that with your words. Number one, be God's butt. Number two, immediate, long, obedience. Number three, you gotta go past the point of precedence. Got to go past the point of precedence. Welcome home, homeboy. Appreciate you. Good to see you, Eric. Most of us will only follow Christ to the point of precedence. Let me make you understand. It's the place where we've been before, but no further. We're afraid of doing what we've never done because it's unfamiliar territory. So we leave unclaimed the new gifts, new anointings, new dreams, new opportunities, new relationships that God wants to give us. I'm going to do the second video. I'm I'm not going to do the first one, Kenny, sorry. Noah didn't even have cognitive category for what God was calling him to do. It was absolutely unprecedented. No one had ever even thought of it. Genesis 6, 22. So Noah did everything, say everything, exactly as God had commanded him. Here's what I found. In obeying every jot and tittle of revelation, God gave him, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. In doing so, Noah became a botanist because he had to plant the trees. He became a zoologist, because he had to care for 400 species of animals. He became an architect, because he was the first person to build a boat without a blueprint. And he had to become a plumber, because he had to deal. Oh, he had to deal with it. Oh, he had to deal with it. Yes, he did. Sometimes you don't, you, don't, you don't go and obey. You don't go and do what God is asking you to do because you're afraid of what's on the other side. I think it would be apropos at this moment to talk about an animal well known for its remarkable leaping ability. It can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. One might think, Zookeepers would have a tough time keeping impalas in their enclosure. How in the ham fetch did Moses keep the impalas in their enclosures? But it's actually quite simple. A three-foot wall will do the trick. Sorry, three feet? Here's why. An impala will not jump if it cannot see where it will land. We have the same problem, don't we? We want our money back guarantee before we take a step step of obedience. But this way of thinking eliminates faith from the equation. Sometimes we need to take A flying leap of faith. What is God asking you to do that you ain't never done? When are you going to go after the dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention? The Lord is requiring us to do something that we've never done. Why? Because the entire culture is going to die if you don't. I don't think you get it. The the reality of your dreams is a weapon in God's hand for the entire culture. You think it's just about you, you being comfortable, you being rich, you getting out of the situation that you are, but no, 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 the Lord has, that's why having that train of thought is why the Lord has not granted you what you want. As soon as you make the decision that when I obey, the entire culture is going to be affected, then the Lord will begin to answer your questions and your and your dreams and your and your and your prayers because he knows that his glory is going to change the very face of our city. Because when he answers you, you will be the one to make his name glorious. But that requires you to do something you ain't never done before. And I get it. It may mean you have to shovel it. I get it. It may be mean that you might have to be uncomfortable. You might have to spend blood, sweat, and tears. I, mean, I, I get it. It may mean that you have to obey long and obey immediately. But without it, God's dream does not become a reality in you. Because please believe, for Ann Joker who want to, did I say Ann? Did she say Ann? For Ann Joker who want to act like Saul, I bet you there's a David coming behind you. I'm going to keep moving. Number four. Favor ain't fair. Turn somebody look with square in the face like you need something. Say favor ain't fair. You know ain't is in the dictionary now? Don't worry, you can say it. It's in the dictionary, all right? Favor ain't fair. I want to define favor really quickly. A couple of things that I have learned from Elder Yule. Uh, from my from my father, from my mom, and from other teachers as a few there's a list of things that I'd like to give you as a defined favor. So, they're going to name they're going to put them on. Don't take a bunch of pictures. There's like, I don't know, 10 or 10 or 12 of them. Wait till the pictures done. Wait till them done before you take the picture cuz you're going to want every single one of these definitions. You all ready for the definitions? Here we go. God's special affection towards me that releases influence on me so that others are inclined to cooperate with me. Uh-huh. God's special affection towards me that relieves, it releases influence on me so that others are inclined to cooperate with me. Here's what I believe. Somebody of influence is waiting for me, waiting to help me, waiting to invest in me, waiting to, waiting to, to, to introduce me, waiting for me. You can have a little bit of that if you want to. I know I got mine. Number two with the S part. What God can do for me that I cannot do for myself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What God can do for me that I cannot. I am in. This ain't about permission. <laughs> it's about being capable of doing for myself. Some of you have said, oh, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me very clearly. For some of you, you said this. I gotta get an education before I did, 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 did. And when the Lord is saying, make a move. All right. Others of you have to have said, I ain't got to have no education. All I gotta do is make a move. Whichever way you sit sit on it, whichever way you want to be on there. Make a move because the favor of God is on you. Number three, I get featured. It's in, it's in Genesis 12. The Lord says, You're gonna make your name great. Sounds like Tiffany Carroll in lights. Mm, I can see it. Why, she bad. You see it? Boy, I know you do. Well, y'all ain't ready. I promise y'all ain't ready. Next one. Check this out. Favor causes the rules to be rewritten for my benefit. (laughs) Bump the rules, it's my turn. Oh, but I ain't had to to get my turn yet. What that got to do with me? That's how I feel about it, for real. Favor causes the rules to be written in my benefit. Number two, num- next one. Favor is a fixed fight. Favor is unfair partiality. Don't you teach your children that you got to be fair. I'm sorry. Life is not fair. Now, am I saying you have to love one child different and better than the other? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying life is not fair. And as long as you teach your children that it's it's, it's fair is the only thing, you're teaching them the wrong. God have mercy, the wrong way. Because they won't believe they'll what teaching teaching your children that life is fair is like teaching them that if they're good enough, they're going to get. Rewards. Now, while that's true, it's not true of the Lord. Because you cannot be good enough to get favor. Man, it's a lot in there. Can't explain it. We have a trials with it. We can talk about it later. Number next one. Preferred. You favor makes sure that you are preferred. Next thing favor means I get the advantage. Favor says, I get special privileges. Favor says, I get to be the favorite. Yeah. Ain't that right with Gina? Yeah, right. <laughs> favor says, there, check this out. There is no strategy against God's favor. Oh, sorry. You understand that there is nothing that can come against you that can knock down what God has created for you to do and be? There's no strategy against God's favor. But this one, this one for me. Accelerated destiny. Favor gives you an accelerated destiny. Some of y'all been waiting a long time for the Lord to do stuff. And I'm telling you, we're walking up on some sudden waves. And it's all because of his favor. If you look at Job 29, you can read it in your own time. It's, it's a full of list, a deep list of favorites, of, 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 of uh, what it looks like to have the favor of the Lord upon your life. All right. Four things we talked about, very simple. Number one, we got to be God's butt. Number two, immediate, long obedience. Number three, we got to go past the point of precedence. Just because you haven't experienced it, just because you haven't seen it. Here, I'm going to stop right here. I don't wanna be another Steve Jobs. All Steve Jobs did was improve upon what was already there. He didn't come up with the computer, he came up with the iMac. He didn't come up with the MP3 player, he came up with the iPod. And I don't care what kind of phone you got, I bet you wish in your heart of hearts, cause I'm prophetic that you had an iPhone. Don't you hate it when you see them green messages Those you who have iPhones? iPhone You can't stand when I see them green messages (laughs) Woo All right, listen to this Here's what I'm saying Because I digress Here's what I'm saying It's time out For the people of God To just improve upon What has already been made The reason why you haven't made or influenced your millions is because you're still trying to improve upon what has already been made. As soon as you get in the presence of God and be prophetic about what should come, I'm telling you something is going to happen. I'm talking about going beyond the point of precedence. In other words, where we need to go in business, in your talents, in your skills, in your writing, in your sales, in your, in your doctoring, in your lawyering, in your lesson plans is where God is going, not where he's already been. The Lord has put the ability to be a prophetic people on the inside of you. And as soon as you quit being a punk and step out on what seems Impossible or what you have never seen done before, I'm telling you, something is going to happen. Something's going to happen to you and something is going to happen for you. I'm telling you, there is music that hasn't been heard yet. And it doesn't sound anything like what's already been made. There are ideas. That the Lord wants to give you, but you haven't spent enough time in his presence receiving what you need that goes beyond precedence. He wants to push you past the boundaries of what has already been made so that you create something. He's the God who created the earth out of his mouth. And that same God unapologetically lives inside of you. It's time for you To have the go-natinal fortitude to do something prophetic. I dare you. Fourth thing you need to do. Really simply, hoping I inspire you today. The fourth thing you need to do is, what did I say? Uh Aha, favor ain't fair. To receive the favor of the Lord. How do we get it? Real simple. You got to be all in, homie. You got to be all in. How do you get to be all in? Two things. Real simple. Psalms eighty-four, eleven. The end of it, basically what it says, it says, no good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Very simply, number one is you got to obey. Turn somebody, look them square in the face on. Huh? I mean, be lackluster about what you got to do. Number one, you got to be obey. Turn somebody, say you got to obey. God wants to favor your business plan, your political campaign, your manuscript, your lesson plan, your legal brief, your film, your sales pitch, but you got to be positioned, your, position yourself For the favor by acting in obedience. And if God knows that he's going to get the glory, he will bless you beyond your ability and beyond your resources. Don't you look at your bank account and say what you can't do. Don't you quit telling your God how big your problems are and tell your problems how big your God is. Don't you insult the Lord by by telling him why you can't do something. Talk, had a conversation this week. At the end of that conversation, be honest with you, I was like, I was tempted. I promise you, I was tempted to be like, oh, well, I guess I can't do it. That was my temptation. But I walked away, I felt like, let's let's see how he gonna do this one. You know what I'm talking about? I walked away, I was like, bump it! Yeah! I'm gonna be able to do it. Cause... Either, he, either he's real or he ain't because he knows my heart. He knows, he knows, he knows how long it's been. He knows what I have given up, what I have given out, what I will do until he He knows it. And if he knows it, then he knows what's going to be a result of him answering my prayers. He knows it. So either he going to have to shut up, either he's going to have to show up, or he's a liar. How I feel about it. Question is: Can you do? You have that conviction, or can you really put those words out there? Because maybe you got some more obedience to do. That's okay. We're gonna figure it out today. Second thing you got to do is work for God, not work for yourself, not work to be to get rid of your comfort. Because I'm telling you, as soon as you, as soon as you obey God, oh, it's look. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't care if it's easy and light. It's still a yoke and a burden. <laughs> we like to concentrate on that light and that easy part. Well, let's go back to the rest of the words in the Bible, the burden and the yoke part. I'm sorry. A yoke only works if you bow your head. A burden can only be bore. Psalms ninety verse seventeen, it says, "Let the favor of the Lord, of our of the Lord our God, be upon us, and confirm for us the work of our hands." Yes, confirm. It was said twice. You got to be careful what the Lord said twice. He said, and yes, confirm the work of our hands. And yes, confirm the work of our hands. I'm sorry. Did it say his hands? Sorry, that our hands. Not his hands, but your work. He done did his part. Now some work that you got to do. All right. Really quickly, because I'm. Done. Play them some music, Jerome. <laughs> Ain't but two things to keep you from doing this. Or there are actually several things, only two of them I'm going to talk about today. Um, fear. want to get you fear it it preaches in first person that's a trick because it make you feel like it's coming from you fear is not an emotion it is demonic it's a personality its goal is to make you go too fast or to keep you or to stop you its goal is to separate you from god's purpose for your life Fear will keep you disobedient, it'll keep you slow, it'll keep you stagnant, keep you not moved. It'll, it'll, it'll prevent you from, it'll, it'll, it'll raise that three-foot wall. While you have the ability, you got the ability, you got the skill, you got the education to jump 30 feet. But fear will keep you behind that closer Because you don't see on the other side of that three-foot wall living way beneath what God created you to do. Second thing, second thing, second thing uh, to keep you from it is feeling unworthy because of the things that you have done, the things you have not done, the things you do too much, the things you do not enough of, how, what, your, what, your, uh, 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 what your background is, the pain that you've had, the challenges that you've been through, the things that you've failed at makes you feel like you're not worthy of greater and g- worthy of more. Worthy of all that God has created you to do and to be. Because you feel unworthy, feel insecure, inferior, and therefore are incapable of doing all that you know God put in you. You know that thing down in your nowhere that you know you're supposed to do. That you know there's you know there's more than what you're experiencing now, but because of being unworthy, because of fear, you have not stepped out into the unknown. Let me help you with the unworthy thing. Go ahead and agree. You are unworthy. You will never be worthy enough. You will never be able to do enough. You will never be able to move quick enough. You will never be able to undo enough to be worthy of what God created you to do and be. But Romans six twenty three. says the wages of sin is death. Don't worry, I'm talking about you. Oh, when, when she said that, she's not talking about me because I'm not no sinner. But anything that keeps you from God's purpose, that's sin. And the death comes to your dream. The wages of sin is death, but the gift. Now, it ain't free because it costs Jesus his blood it ain't free because it cost him his majesty it cost him being tortured and killed so that the gift could be given to you and that gift is eternal life or the reality of God's dream for your life your choice make a decision decide the enemy is right I messed that up ugh Jesus, God, you me up. All right, now what? Because the Lord has, has given, has made provision for your mistakes. Now, I wasn't a mistake, because a mistake is an accident. Uh-huh. The Lord has made pr- provision for your decisions that have been opposite of what he asked you to do. So he smears his blood on it, and it gets you justified, it gets you redeemed, it gets you sanctified, and it gets you cleansed. And now you can walk right on into all of the destiny that God created for you to be and do. But you got to get rid of that fear. and You got to apply that blood to being unworthy. And then you got to obey and work for God. All of you today, who more has eluded you, and you know, you know, that it's not on God, but it's some, it's some other stuff you got to do. You know that it's not, it's not just about being, un- being uncomfortable or it's not just about, you know you know that there's more inside of you. And you want that more, but you haven't quite seen through to how to get it. I'm telling you, it's real simple. It's making a decision to obey God to obey him at a different level. Because I promise you, the air is thinner up here. But if you see it correctly, mountains become targets. If you see it correctly, mountains become targets. From down at the bottom of a mountain, all I see is what I must climb. But from the top of a mountain, It looks like a target. The idea is that the Lord created you to hit the bullseye. Today, let's get rid of it. Let's remove everything that prevents us from accomplishing God's purpose. Why don't you stand? And if that's you today, feel like I'm done with this penny Annie. I ain't gonna be able to do it. I'm done with the mediocre. I'm ready for the new. I'm about to walk into it. I'm not waiting until next year I don't give a rip that it's three or four months left in the end of the year. I'm not waiting to 2019 to walk into what God has asked for me to do. I ain't gonna be I ain't gonna be able to do it. I'm going this year. That's you. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Nah, let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. If you want to go